This episode is brought to you by Babbel, the language learning app that'll get you speaking a new language with confidence. When my wife and I went to visit her father in Thailand, I did my best to learn some phrases. But as someone who's busy, I just didn't feel like I had the time. Boy, I wish I had Babbel. Babbel allows you to choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, and Polish. As someone who's always looking to get the most out of their time, we love that Babbel is designed to get you quickly speaking a new language within weeks. In fact, lessons are only 10 to 15 minutes each. The question for you is, do you want to get started online or through their powerful app? As a listener of the One Thing podcast, you can try Babbel for free. Go to babbel.com or download the app and try it today. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com or download the app to try it for free. Babbel, speak a new language with confidence. This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. A lot of what we talk about on this show is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. It's often very inspiring, motivating, and simple. And life's not always that way. Sometimes things happen in our life that rock us to our core. And sometimes it leads to grief. The person that you are going to hear today has gone through something that uh, is every parent's worst nightmare. The loss of a child. Uh, We're going to walk through what happened and how the one thing entered his life and how he used it to help him move forward and manage his grief the best that he could. We share this with you because we know there are many of you that are struggling with grief. And if this man's story can help you, then it's fulfilling our reason for being in business, helping you take back control of your time and have clarity about how you want to invest it moving forward. So with that, we're going to begin our conversation with Casey Balgard by revisiting March 27th, 2013. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. I, at the time, was working with Connect Real Estate Group, uh, helping uh, grow their company and grow their business as in the marketing department, along with team recruiting. And I was sitting in our team meeting, um, and I got a phone call from my younger brother. 
And my younger brother, he calls, but you know, he'll leave a message or text. Well, at this certain point in time, he called. I don't answer the phone in the meeting, and he called again. And I said, okay. I disregarded that. Well, he called again. At the third time, I knew there was a problem, and there was a problem. He goes, Casey, it's Maisie. We got to go. I'm coming to pick you up. Maisie is my, at the time, was my six-month-year-old daughter, and she was with my mom. The reason she was with my mom is because she had sickness that day, and she could not go to her her daycare. So as I sat there and I waited, I knew something was wrong. At the, I was at the work and my brother pulled up with his wife. And as soon as I saw her with my brother, he texted me. He told me, call Melissa, tell her to get a sub. My wife was a, was a, is a teacher at Dillon Springs Junior High. I called my wife. She answers the phone, which she hardly ever does because of she's a teacher. They want to interrupt her. Well, she answered, thank goodness. And she did. And I said, well, get a sub. Don't know what's wrong. It's Maisie. We've got to pick you up in 10 minutes. So we pick, go and pick her up. And as soon as we walk outside, there was just, we both looked at each other. And we knew right there. It was it. There was this overwhelming amount of breaking. We both, she collapsed. And I said, baby, we got to go. And I picked her up. And I put her in the back of the car, and we began to make a 20-mile trek to where my daughter and my mom was with my stepfather, Poppy. They were there at the family property that day because of her being sick, and they were needing to do some work around the property. It's a tree farm. So they were planting trees. So we were making our 20-mile trek out there, and it is a scene right out of a movie. As you pull up to the gravel road, there's tape, there's police cars, there's sheriffs, there are people who already know about the situation, friends. And we make the drive back to the family property, and sure enough, as we come up on the lake, there's yellow tape, and we can't go past that yellow tape. And to the right is my mother and my stepfather, and my wife and I were standing there at the tape, and we knew right then that our daughter was in the water. What happened is my mom had my daughter in the car to keep her out of the weather. And as she was in the weather doing the right thing, she had the car parked perpendicular to a lake that's on the property. And what they do around our city or our town is they dredge lakes near the river. And this happened to be one of those lakes. Well, as my mom and my stepfather was putting the trees into the ground, before they knew it, the car began to roll back. And it rolled back and and caught the ledge. And as it caught the ledge, it began to take on water in the back end. And the whole car completely flipped over backwards with my daughter inside. They did everything they could that you can do in the moment. It was cold that day, so there was a prayer that she was okay. Well, we arrived on the scene back to where we were. We knew the car was already in the water. And then we just sat there, sat there for hours. We had to sit there and wait for the dive team. And after the dive team got there, put on their wetsuits, they went under, just realized that she was there and could not get her out. They had to call an excavator. And as we sat there in the mud and just prayed, the excavator made its way past us. We didn't watch, but you could hear it. 
they connected the dive team, connected the chains, lifted the car out of the water. And then even at that point, we still had to wait. Could not see her. The ambulance had to come past us, put her in the ambulance. And even at that point, we didn't get to see her. They took her to the nearest field and then air medded her to Baton Rouge Children's Hospital. So now we jump back in the car and have, thank goodness, have a friend who is a detective and he was so kind to get us there fast and safely. And we got there. And as we walked in, we knew the nurse, the doctor, they were there and they invited us in to see our daughter, Macy, and hold her and hold her for the last time. She was covered in a white blanket. And as I pulled the blanket back, she wasn't there. She was just a body. Her soul was gone, her warmth, everything. So my wife and I held her as long as we wanted. And after we held her for the for our the time as length that we wanted to. We both said it was it was time to go, and so we stepped out of the emergency room, and we knew at the time we weren't going to allow anybody back there to see her. We didn't want people to have that memory. So we stepped outside, and there was a emergency waiting room full full of people who loved us and still love us to this day. And we went home. <laughs> and then three days later, I preached the funeral. And it was a packed house at the local church that we grew up in. Once again, our community. It's as if it was just quiet for three days, just mourning with us. And the people around us just loved and was so caring. And I say all these things and bring them into the picture because that's how important it is to us and for anyone who may be listening, how important it is to know people who do love you and do care for mm -hmm. you. I've got to imagine you come out of the emergency room, you and your wife, look at your community and you just, you know that Everything's going to change. What did, how long were you and your wife going through the mourning process where you, you just took time off work? What was that time period before you guys started to pick up the pieces again? Well, the incident, the tragedy happened in March 27th. And with that timing, my wife being a teacher, we knew the summer was coming up. Her her job was so kind to give her the rest of the year off, not just the summer, not just the rest of the school year, but all also into the next semester, all the way through December. So my wife had months to be able to recuperate and to work through and process and learn this new life and how to navigate with this new hole that we have that our daughter was no longer there. Myself, I had a very had a kind job very gracious owner and he gave me the opportunity to take as much time as i needed and to be honest i didn't return i didn't return back to that job 
we were able to take the summer, my wife and I, and do a little bit of traveling with our with our kids, with our son who was living at the time. And during that period, we also conceived our today four-year-old daughter, Ellie Grace. And she was born September of that year. So it's been quite the journey, but also, and we're extremely gracious for those people who allowed us this time to to move and learn how to move through this part of our new new part of our lives. The the title of this episode, Casey, is the one thing for managing grief. Yeah. I want you to walk us through how the one thing came into your journey and the role that it played. Yeah, so that's that's a, that's a, I love that. So we Here's how it works out. So during that period of time, I've taken a road. I became a, I was a uh, become a marketing manager, and, and I began to work for a company. And then after that, I got into uh, freelance, basically graphic design, marketing, and branding. And during that period of time, why not? I've always been we've been connected. But during that period of time, he gave me a call and said, "Hey, Casey." I'm getting back into real estate and I need a logo. I said, okay, you know, I'm your guy. I can make it happen. Well, he, during the process, and this is the catch you up on the story, during this time, we, I want to say, hey, I want to meet, meet and talk to you because I want to hear more about the vision. Well, during that conversation, he introduced me to the one thing mm-hmm. and the one thing philosophy and book. And he was very clear about it and it intrigued me. And I got a book. And I began to read through that book and work through that book. And there's two books that I'll tell you that have altered and changed the way I think and do life. And that is the one thing in the Holy Bible. And it has helped me in such a way in understanding what is the most famous question we ask. What is the next one thing that we can do to make the next step easier or unnecessary. I broke it down to be very simple. Jeff, I'll be honest, there were days where you just don't want to move. And there are still days where you still don't want to move. And I take the areas that the one thing specifically breaks down, I take that and I look at it. And I say, what is the next one thing? I boil it down to that simple question because that's about all I can think through. I think, what is the next one thing I can do to be productive in this relationship? What is the next thing, one thing I can do to stay productive in my job? What is the most, what's the one thing I can do to keep my marriage healthy, <laughs> to keep my finances straight? And I constantly visit and visit and visit and visit, repeat, over and over that thought and question and philosophy. And it does. It keeps me centralized. It keeps me focused. It's so interesting, Casey, because when we look at people who, who come into the community or when we work with teams or companies, like they, they, they look at everything that they have to do and they're going, there's more than one thing. How do I just pick one? And for you, you were coming from a completely different angle saying that there are some days you just don't even want to move, that all you could do is isolate that lead domino in front of you and just focus on knocking that down. That's as far as you could go. Yeah, literally. That's perfectly said. Yeah. 
for somebody who's listening to this who is going through grief and is struggling to manage it, what did that lead domino look like for you? I actually, Jeff, actually, I got introduced to the one thing close to three years after the tragedy. Wow. Well, it was, for me, during the first darker seasons of mourning and grieving, it was making sure that there was dinner on the table, making sure that my son was being loved properly. Because I remember vividly laying in bed and my son coming up to me, looking me in the eye, because he was the same height. He says, Dad, when are you going to come play? There are moments, many moments through my season of grief that I would return to that and be like, that's my next thing. I got to stay focused. I have to take care of my family, to raise my son, have to put food on the table. There was a lead domino, and I was take care of myself. I'd get the help that I needed. I went to counseling. I still have people surrounded by me that ask the right questions and keep me accountable. So I do remember a period, of, a season, a real quick a point in my life where I was like, in order for me to take care of my family, I got to tend to myself. We know this is basic, basic stuff, but that's where my life was for a very long time, was being basic. And that's really, when I got introduced to the one thing, speaking with Wyatt and consulting with him and uh, when he's launching his new uh, real estate brand, that's when I began to buy in to the philosophy. And that's what attracted me to currently work with Wyatt and the real estate model that he's established here. He keeps referring to Wyatt, the Wyatt he's referring to, his name's Wyatt Graves. Uh, we had him on episode 172 of this show that was released back January 14th of 2019. And the title was Increase Your Impact with The One Thing, if you're interested in checking that out. Fast forward to today, Casey. You've gone through something that is every parent's worst nightmare. You know, you have a three-year period following it where you and your wife did the best you could to manage the grief. Why Graves introduced you to the one thing and you start living the principles and just just getting clarity, like what is the one thing I can do in this moment, whether that was to be a great father, to put food on the table, to take care of yourself, just isolating that one thing in the moment and knocking it down. Does, it, does the grief ever go away? I would say that the weight of grief, it comes and goes. I've best described it as if, I'll use this analogy because we're in the summertime and you got families going to the beach. You're standing in the ocean and you are, let's just say, waist deep. The water the sea, the ocean is the grief. You're always in it. But the reality is, is that there's different waves of it. And those waves come one at a time when they want to come. Some of those waves of grief are going to hit you in the chest. Some will be lighter and not move the water at all. But then there's those days that just overcome you. 
but eventually you can breathe again because mm. you touch the because you touch the bottom and push back up. What do you tell yourself when it is overwhelming? How do you get yourself back up? Oh, for me, there's uh, being a man of faith. I pray. I bring my focus to my purpose. My number one, my number one aim is to lead my family. And then I look at my goals. I look at my task, my success tasks that need to happen that day. And then I begin to look at that list that I established, hopefully, days or weeks before that wave of grief overcame me. So if I, I tell people that you have to be purposely proactive, anticipating the next wave. If I were to sit and wait to put my list together that day when everything is overwhelming, I'm not going to be productive. I'm not going to produce. I'm not going to be able to hit the first domino. However, if that week or that Sunday night or that Monday morning, I have my week planned out, I can return back to my journal, my planner, and I can check that off and just go back to the basics. What is the one task that I can do right now, even in this funk, if you will, to be productive? Mm-hmm. And then I find an environment that allows me to be productive. One of the things I love about where I work right now is that it's an environment that allows me to carry my grief properly and respectfully. And it gives me the space and the margins. And it also gives me the tools like the one thing and other tools to be successful. And it gives me the, it gives me the flexibility to mm-hmm. do so. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more proactive, Jeff. In regards to how do you overcome and get out of those days of grief or out from, you know, get through those waves, those moments, it, man, I'm, I, I will preach it as more proactive versus reactive. Yeah. If that makes sense. Don't, don't make, you, you, yes, it makes sense to me. Well, here's what I love about it, Casey. I, I'm hearing you talk about your relationship with your goals in a different way than I've heard before. For you, when you get knocked down and you're not even quite sure which way is up, you pray and you look at your goals and the goals are like a compass for you to say, hey, this is what I said mattered before I got knocked down. And based on that, what's the one thing I can do right now such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary? No doubt. Because I still have the same dreams and hopes to a degree that I had before my daughter died. And I still can achieve those. But it's just there are days where you do feel that you can't make it. But thank goodness for the compass that, you know, I will specifically point out the one thing in the goal setting uh, retreat that my wife and I did go on Mm. last year. And all those things have just helped in such a good way to help us achieve those aspirations we still have. So so walk me through. I I totally forgot that you guys were there. What happened? What did the conversations with your wife and you look like when you came to Austin, you sat down and you actually set your goals together? What what happened that might have surprised you? See, my my favorite thing that happened that weekend was our language changed. Mm. Like I would come home from our environment at work that is being 
you know, it is being trained and conditioned to to be successful with this philosophy. But then I come home and, and she gets it. But then what happened at this retreat is now she gets it like she speaks similar language. And she understands the language that I use and the tools that we use together to aspire and to achieve. And it's that was my favorite thing walking away. I know we did set some goals, some very tangible things and some five-year and someday. But for the sake that now we communicate so much more effectively mm-hmm. in regards to the one thing language and the, the word that, the words in the one thing that create our world now. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, um, I can't tell you how good that makes me feel. I just, good. dude, we're, we're in this business to make an impact and it's, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes you're, you're behind this side of the mic and you put the message out there and you wonder what's, happening and how people are receiving and even the fact like I know we got to meet in person when you guys were here but uh, we don't know what's happened since then so to connect that dots it gives us purpose for doing what we're doing so thank you good yeah keep pressing on friend for sure so what would you say what's the one thing that somebody who is managing grief right now can do such that by doing it Everything else would just be easier or unnecessary. I would say, you know what's coming. You know the days and the emotions. Each of us process it differently, what that emotion looks like. You know it's coming, so why not prepare for it? Are you going to let it own you? Are you going to own it? We don't control what triggers We don't control what thoughts enter our mind, but I do know that we control the thought, the second thought that we have, and the actions that we have after that. So why not be proactive? Why not be intentional? Why not be masters of grief? Mm. Why not know it in such a way that we can prepare for it, and then we can help others do the same thing? So if I were helping somebody... Today, I would tell them, and I have told people in council, become a professional at it. Hmm. Own it and don't let it own you. I love that. Well, Casey, I words cannot express the gratitude that I feel that you were willing to come on the show to share this with people. I mean, I don't, I, you might have a sense, but maybe not the, the number of people that this is going to impact. And the thing that I would ask those of you, if this one has made an impact for you, the, the easiest way, if you leave a rating on this, sh- on this show and specifically mention this one, it comes back to us and Casey would be able to see those because everybody can see the type of reviews people leave. Give them a shout out, man to share share the impact that this has had because um dude you're making a huge difference well, i do appreciate the opportunity i mean i was speaking to uh to chuck who was our market center leader our owner excuse me and he just said hey you need to you need to tell people more about this and how the one thing's helped and i never thought of it that way until it then why I followed up with that conversation and then got an email from y'all. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for uh, for the person you've become. Sure, sure. Well, uh, our goal is to hope to see you guys and 
coming up soon. And we'll, like I said, we did flood last Thursday, but we'll, we'll we're pushing through that. <laughs> we'll be fine. Yeah, like it's like when I talk about masters of the loss, <laughs> you kind of wonder. You almost get numb to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so we're not. We're some days we're just not fun people, but we can't help that. We try to be one day at a time, my friend. Well, looking forward to seeing you and your wife again this year. Likewise. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Casey Belgard. The thing that stands out to us is something that we mentioned earlier in the episode. For so many of you, your journey of living the one thing is you see everything that you need to do. And how do we get clarity on what our priorities are? And once we have clarity in our priorities, how do we understand what number one is? And the one thing we can do today to be in alignment with that, we see everything and we're trying to whittle it down. Yet what we heard from Casey is when you are managing grief, it's the exact opposite. Sometimes you see nothing. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't even want to move. And in that moment, it's just asking the question, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it would make taking care of myself easier and necessary, would make having a relationship with my children easier or unnecessary, would make continuing my relationship with my significant other easier or unnecessary, would make putting the food on the table easier or unnecessary. And once you understand what that one thing is in the moment, you whack away at that lead domino until it falls. Because when you do, it automatically gets you back up to knock down the next one. And if your dominoes are lined up, it actually makes everything else easier or unnecessary. I love what he shared about his goals. I don't know about you, but for me, early in my life, goals were something I put on a sheet of paper. They were dreams that I wanted to become reality. In the past three and a half years, getting to be somebody who helps represent the brand, there's been a higher level of accountability to it. And it's, it's been about how do I create the kind of life I want to live? But to hear Casey say that this is his compass, when the wave of grief becomes so overwhelming, it's that thing that can point him north and say, move in this direction. You said this is what you wanted before you got knocked down. Now, what's the one thing you can do to get back up? If this episode has helped you, we hope that you will ask the question, who in my world needs to hear this? And what's the impact that you think it would make for them? Would you be willing to take a few minutes to text this episode to them, to call them and tell them about it, to make sure that they listen to it. And for those of you, if, it, if this really has helped you, please leave a rating on your podcast player of choice. I would love for Casey to be able to see the feedback from this because uh, it's pretty vulnerable to come on and share this. And I just, I know the impact it's going to have. So we thank you so much for listening to this. We really appreciate you. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode.